You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to Communication Mixdown, I'm Rima Rattan. Technological disruption of all kinds of industries is the norm rather than the exception now, and the film industry is no different. As cameras on smartphones improve, more and more people are embracing the tool as an opportunity to tell their stories, and even traditional filmmakers are joining in. Discussing the growing movement of smartphone filmmaking with me today are Max Schleser, Senior Lecturer in Film and Television at Swinburne University of Technology and the founder of the Mobile Innovation Network and Association, and Daniel Schulteis, the founder of the not-for-profit organization Cinespace, which promotes cultural diversity on screen, who has been running workshops about how to make films with your smartphone around Victoria. My name is Max. On Twitter, I'm Max Mober, because I'm very passionate about mobile filmmaking or smartphone filmmaking. And I've done this for quite some time. Yeah, I'm a smartphone filmmaker. So I've made a two feature lengths, one a documentary, one experimental documentary, about a dozen short films. Some are for social media, some are for galleries, some screen at festivals. And I'm a senior lecturer in film and TV at Swinburne University of Technology. What is experimental film? My idea was, um, especially for smartphone filmmaking, is that we can really try to think about what we know about film and what a story is, but we can also try new things. At the moment, the whole film industry or the whole way of storytelling is, I think, changing a lot. And so it's a very dynamic space. And so with smartphone filmmaking, we can really try to explore some new opportunities to think about how we can tell stories and more diverse stories and tell stories with different people, which I think sometimes is a new way. So we're all trained very much by the big, you know, Hollywood stories. But I think in smartphone filmmaking, we can do lots more different things. And especially experimental, it's quite difficult to define because the one way to think about experimental is that it resists one linear or one dominant narrative. And then you've got lots of different things. So I could talk about this for a long time, but I think the, the way about experimental is really that it's trying new things. So it's trying things in different ways, which can be very aesthetic explorations. It can be very collaborative. It's also the weird and wonderful things that we see on the online spaces. And so I think it's a really great time for experimental film because it's not only anymore these things that we used to find in certain galleries or in certain film festivals, because I think nowadays we can bring experimental film really to the world and everyone can be part of this through software filmmaking. My name's Dan Schulteis. I've worked in primarily screen education now for around 20 years and also worked a little bit in, in mainstream sort of production. But I, I guess I'd, I'd say I've probably come full circle in the sense that spent quite a lot of time looking at industry development programs, but really come back to seeing that as a storytelling tool, as Max has said, you know, uh, accessible devices really are just so much more exciting from a creative perspective. And if you look at sort of mainstream production or traditional, you know, film and television production, you know, it's, it's very, uh, you know, there's a lot of barriers to entry. You need a certain skill level as a finite sort of 
pool of jobs or funding or uh, and so, so quite a lot of barriers to entry but of course that limits the types of stories that get told and the types of stories that people think will have an audience when you sort of break away from that into something like accessible devices mobile devices which are not the answer to every story sure but for, for a lot of types of stories they are absolutely the right tool but more importantly as max has said from a story perspective you know you're getting more stories from more places being told in new ways and that's really super exciting so the longer i've been around film the more i've been drawn to smaller crews more accessible tools and the types of exciting community often in community-based stories too that are that are told with these these tools how would you distinguish a story that is better told through traditional filmmaking and and one that's better off being told with a smartphone film there's a lot more at stake, obviously, with the mainstream production. You know, there's a lot of people and money involved, but that has like this upward trajectory thing where, you know, as soon as money's being spent, you have to then spend more money to make sure that nothing goes wrong. You have to spend more money in script development to make sure, you know, that that's, that that's 100% perfect because, you know, there's no room for error. Uh, whereas there's a lot more freedom with sort of lower, lower budget filmmaking. And so I think in terms of the types of stories, you know, you know, if it's, a, if it's all about spectacle, for example, then of course, you know, and, and big budget effects and things like that, then of course you need to look at that, those kinds of pathways. But the, the technology, for, as Max would probably attest too, the technology for devices is becoming so much more developed, you know, so much more professional looking that for most audiences, you know, they're not always going to notice that difference. And if you know how to use those tools, if you're telling a really good story, if it's contained in a way, you know, you don't have a cast of thousands or you don't have lots of special effects. But if it's a really good story, there's plenty of reasons why you might choose the phone as a tool. You know, and, and on top of it as thinking about it as a filmmaking tool, you know, there are certain advantages that you can get with a phone that you can't get with bigger cameras. You know, you can have access to, to places be a little bit more um, less intimidating than you would with a big crew. Uh, it's lighter and smaller, so you can put the phone in more places. You know, so that... Uh, some of your listeners might have seen a film called Tangerine, which was a well-known film shot on an iPhone, which had these great sort of sweeping dynamic shots filmed on a, a bicycle, you know, and a gimbal, which is sort of a motorized stabilizer, which just gave this whole new energy and feel. And that was very much using that look of the phone. So there's plenty of creative reasons why you might choose to use that as a tool of choice as well. It's interesting what you say about the gimbal. Um, how do you overcome that sort of unsteadiness and things like that? I mean, how do you, how does one kind of professionalize smartphone filmmaking? You might have had to jump back to the earlier question as well. Yeah. Um, that's something that I've been thinking about as well. I think like as a, you know, um, as a, as a scholar and as a researcher for some time as well. And I think why not every story might be appropriate to be realized with a mobile device or smartphone if working with communities, capturing locations or working in the domain of personal or first-person filmmaking, the smartphone or mobile device should be considered as a camera of choice. The mobile specificity is expressed through accessibility, mobility, and its intimate and immediate qualities. These smartphone filmmaking-specific characteristics and personal forms of crafting experiences contribute to a formation of new storytelling approaches. Stylistic developments of vertical video and collaborative processes in smartphone filmmaking are evolving into hybrid formats that resonate in other film forms. So I'm trying to be very bold here and say what we are seeing now in smartphone filmmaking is not even influencing the big film industry. And I think that is driven not by, yes, there is some 
the big Soderberg and there is some um, Chrome Baker with Tangerine, which I think they are like, you know, he has done some other fantastic projects as well before that, before Tangerine. So I'm a big fan of his filmmaking style. But I think there's really an international community of smartphone filmmaking that is sort of evolving around the world. There's a very particular festivals in Africa, um, in, in Asia, and of course, in Australia and, you know, in Europe. And I think there's really like a new, you know, there's around 30 of these festivals internationally. There's a new movement, we can probably call it, of filmmaking. And it covers lots of different aspects of filmmaking. And so I think some of the specificities of smartphone filmmaking, I think what Dan just said before, I think is really like spot on that there's a few things you can do with a smartphone that you couldn't do with a big broadcasting camera. So that's in terms of the mobility, but also thinking about the selfie modes. And there's been some co-created projects. There's been some films at the Berlinale, for instance, that sort of demonstrated that very, very nicely. So a filmmaker gave a camera, a smartphone to two teenagers in Italy, and they were supposed to film themselves in a selfie mode. So that you would sort of see it from a, a selfie perspective when you immediately get to know the life of these young people. And the film is called Selfie. It looks very different if you watch it in a cinema, but you could not do that film with a broadcasting camera. And there are these films that are like now receiving film funding from Arte or from Saudi Runaway, from National Geographic, was bought at Berlinale, which sort of is a story that is co-created with um, a young woman that escaped the forced marriage in Saudi Arabia. And so that film couldn't have been told through a broadcasting camera because she, in a very personal life, portrayed her life with the filmmaker together. I mean, these are things that are happening in the industry, but it's the same way you've got some of these things that are happening at smartphone film festivals. So you see short films that are very much using collaborative ways that are aesthetic explorations, that working with communities that are done in ways that traditional cameras with lenses also become smaller and smaller, which is another thing that is really interesting, I think, that lots of the big cameras, well, like even camera manufacturers like RED, developing smartphones now, you know? So traditional big cameras are now becoming very small pocket cameras because there's this new style of um, filming, you know, out and about and being more authentic and being more bold with filmmaking. And that sort of brings me back, I think, to like what you, what your question was. There's, of course, with smartphone filmmaking, you can get the phone out of your pocket and start filming, just press a red button. That, that's one way to do it. But of course, with smartphone filmmaking, you can also practice. And I've seen lots of people and I think that's, I mean, you know, myself, if you, if you, if you work with smartphone filmmaking, there's some some ways you can think about your own body as a tripod almost, so that you don't just you know, hold the hand out and it becomes a bit shaky, but that you try to you know, use your arms and your hips and then try to hold the phone as steady as you can. And then, of course, it's practice. But I think if you're working with smartphone filmmaking, you probably also get a bit more space because, of course, there's like adapters and you can put the smartphone on a tripod. And if you're filming, for instance, a time lapse, it wouldn't look nice if it's shaky. But for some other things that you're working with, if you're out in the streets filming, I think the important thing, like the Tangerine project, is more about you could follow the actors, you know, while the actors are like moving into cars and out of cars and following them around corners and streets and very, very quick filmmaking, which it doesn't need to be a steady, perfect shot because there's a dynamic, there's this rush that, that you want to create. And so I think, you know, I'm a big fan of handheld cinema anyhow. And so... But training a good handheld shot is something that you can do. And of course, the gimbal aesthetic, I think, is like almost like a, a new thing because lots of the gimbal filmmaking also considers how the editing works. You can see some really interesting transition shots that sort of create some really interesting movement. And almost an aesthetic of its own is also like a space that you can see some, some um, for instance, on Instagram, there are some people that do some, some really fantastic gimbal tricks and they sort of become part of a particular approach to smartphone filmmaking. 
But, you know, I think, like with many things in life, it's about practicing and thinking about your framing and how a particular handheld shot can, can work for you. Some of the tools that Max was talking about, so tripods and stabilizers and things like that, you know, the price point's really quite affordable now. But uh, one of the things I would sort of always promote in community workshops that I'm doing, smartphone stories workshops, is don't feel like you have to go and buy something to start. But there's this great trick with a paper cup where you can put a couple of notches in your paper cup, put your, put your phone in it, and you have, you know, a tripod for 10 cents. But the, um, thinking... this idea of accessibility is really important when you're starting. You know, you don't need tools. The audience isn't going to see that. They're going to see what you do with it, with it. So whether it's a paper cup as a tripod, whether it's looking at, you know, using curtains or bits of polystyrene to reflect light, or as Max said, you know, creative composition, the story that you're telling, it's far more important than the tools and the equipment. Of course, you can spend a lot of money on smartphone tools if you want to, to add tripods or gimbals or lenses or lights, but that's not really key. It's the craft can be practiced with nothing, with just your phone. You've been running these community workshops on smartphone films called Smartphone Stories. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So this is a project which has been um, supported by Vic Health, which is wonderful as part of an arts and creativity project. Really, it, really the funding is, is designed to promote uh, the health and well-being benefits of being involved in arts and creativity. And so this is a two-year project where um, we're travelling around to 24 local council LGAs around Victoria and really encouraging anyone in the community to get involved, have a go at using their phone to film, to do some basic editing and to start to tell a story. As Max was saying, this is really about communities having ownership and agency over the stories that they want to tell. It's wonderful in the sense that there's no, there's no agenda with the funding. It's really about people being creative, trying to tell their own story in their own way. Do you have some observations to make about how people are receiving this or what they're taking away or, or even about what they're creating as a result? One of the interesting observations for me is I thinking about perhaps younger audiences up against sort of older audiences that are coming along to the workshops and perhaps for more mature age audiences, there's a need to learn a little bit about the technology to gain some confidence. And it might even be providing sort of more of a step-by-step -step approach to uh, you know, here's how to go and film an interview or narration and you can edit that together and then put some images over the top. And here's a, a process by which you can tell a story. Whereas I think with younger participants and audiences, you know, it's an entirely different world on the whole for younger audiences. You know, they've grown up with technology. Storytelling on media, social media is part of just everyday life. And perhaps even for some of those audiences, the idea of, of spending three months to make a film feels ridiculous or old or uh, I think that's been a really interesting thing just thinking about you know it's not a it's not a homogenous sort of single approach to filmmaking anymore yeah certainly for newer generations content creation social media is the story and that's not to say within within those age groups we won't find people that want to create more traditional films and things like that as well yeah that's been an eye-opener for me and a comment around confidence to be creative and experimental. I mean, I think people often when they're learning want to know, well, what, what do I have to do? Whereas as Max was saying, one of the beauties of this tool is, yes, you can, you can follow a, f a formula to get a good looking image or good sound or edit a story together. But also you can throw away all of those rules and use these tools in far more interesting ways that is your voice and is the way you want to do things. And it's not always easy to get over that hurdle for people and go, yes, you can do it this way. But if you want to break things and do things entirely in your own way, great. You're listening to Communication Mixdown on 3CR. And that was the founder of the not-for-profit space, Daniel Schulteis, discussing the workshops he runs on smartphone filmmaking around Victoria. 
He's joined by senior lecturer in film and television at Swinburne University of Technology, Max Schlazer, as we discuss the growing movement of making films on smartphones. We'll be right back. The Maritime Union of Australia is pleased to announce the Struggles That Made Us poster design prize. With a five grand first prize, the MUA is calling for submissions of a poster or artwork that addresses or is inspired by the struggles, events or historical figures amongst Australian maritime workers. The winning design will be launched on May Day 2022 and featured in a special May Day edition of Overland magazine. So get amongst it, people. Jump online and search for MUA Design Prize to enter. The Maritime Union of Australia is a proud 3CR supporter. Are we seeing a revolution in filmmaking because of smartphone films? My take on this sort of thing of a revolution, if you think about a revolution as, you know, what we know through social political movements, is that something completely stops and something starts. And I would rather think about the term of an evolution and, you know, an extension, a development. So, I mean, traditional filmmaking, cinema will be around. You know, I don't think that cinema is suddenly disappearing. Um, and I think that the, the, the tools that we're using in the film industry will still be around. But I think there's no new spaces opening up. And I think it's just, just exactly what, what Dan was saying is like, there's also these new ways of making films and there's also the new ways of disseminating films. And so, of course, if you make a 15 seconds or 30 seconds, or I think you, know, you can do with 60 seconds on TikTok, you won't apply a story, a story formula that is made for, you know, a short film or a two-hour feature film, you know? So, it's a new world that is opening up and still some of the things that we know from that sort of say more traditional filmmaking are sometimes influencing some of these new areas, but sometimes there's also a complete change of this. And so, you know, vertical video, for instance, you know, you like it or you don't, I don't mind, but it is happening. And there's like no filmmakers like, um, you know, the Hollywood, Russian Hollywood director, um, Timur um, uh, Bekmambetov, I think it's not so pronounced is producing a feature film entirely that is being disseminated in vertical. And what so, is a vertical film? Yeah, so like normally when you start filming, when you get your phone out, you normally hold the phone in a vertical way, so a portrait format. And that's what we see also like lots of uh, social media platforms really sort of seem more to be in the vertical. And traditionally you've got the, the landscape, which is the horizontal. And so vertical video, I think, is that sort of, you know, which changes that traditional cinematic approach of the landscape to a vertical. And I, I, for me, it's not an either or, because if you think about three vertical videos next to each other, they make also quite interesting landscape formats. So there's lots of room to play, and I think being really playful with. And so that's why I think the term revolution, yeah, it's great. It's, you know, I mean, it's, it's a very sort of kickstarting, and there should be maybe more revolutions around to get change quicker, to get change more dynamic happening. But then... I don't think we're thinking about this term that like everything completely stops and, you know, everything is erased and then a new system starts. But it's more of a further development of, you know, a morphing of some old genres into some new genres and some particular styles that can be continued. 
And I mean, the, the history of, of, of film, I think, is full of these great um, waves of, you know, alternative filmmaking, the French New Wave, um, that influenced dogma filmmaking, and, you know, maybe then there's this new moment of smartphone filmmaking. I think the, we can see, yes, like a development of, you know, different things. And of course, that's very particular on what is the project that you want to create. You know, some projects are very story-driven, some projects don't have a story at all, but are more experiences, which is also very interesting. So that's really about difficult to answer this, you know, because there's so many different approaches to what you want to achieve with the creative film, moving image arts project, and or just like a short online social media video. But I think the beautiful thing is that smartphone film can cover all of these things. And that I think is really, really, really exciting. Max was just talking about sort of the experiential film, and it just made me think of a, a filmmaker that we worked with a few years ago, Kortha Abdullim, who created a film called Found, which was a really around an experience of a Muslim woman who'd had her hijab pulled out by somebody and just the, the, the fear and what that was like to experience for this person in the film. And so the film was actually told from a, uh, I don't want to give away the whole film, but it was told from a first person's point of view of what this felt like. So looking through the eyes of the person and it wasn't revealed until the end of the film, sorry, spoiler alert, uh, who the person was. But we used a, for that particular film, used, uh, Kortha used a, uh, a GoPro, you know, the small action cam, uh, camera and we did some experimenting about the best way to kind of hold or you know wear the camera on a hat or something and it turned out the best solution for this film was to actually have a little plate on the GoPro and the actor held the camera in her mouth so had like a little base plate in her mouth uh, and that gave the best feeling for this film after a little bit of experimenting and so I just think that was interesting Max talking about the idea of an experience too and what something felt like and that this tool was able to transcend uh, and really create that that first person feeling in a really authentic, interesting way. Yeah, I, when you were talking earlier about both of you about gimbals and kind of different kind of things, I kept thinking that it's, this seems like you can so, somehow capture subjectivity much stronger than with, a, than with a camera. You know, there's something about, there's something about it that sort of intimates a sort of, you'd be a, like a, yeah, like existential films almost. That's maybe a bit, bit a bit of a social media influence there too, isn't it, Max? Maybe, I mean, we use phones now to see the world, to look out and see the world. But also, you know, Max was talking about the selfie cam and we use it in much more intimate ways as well. So that kind of idea of, of yeah, looking at the self and looking at the world, you know, it's a language of social media, I guess, that can filter through into filmmaking as well. The world of filmmaking is really opening up, but if you're working on a project, there's lots of, and also very traditional filmmakers, they could have had, budgets they could have had uh, you know crews if they wanted they made a very particular choice to work with a smartphone because they wanted to create some sort of diary filmmaking approaches and they very chose a camera for that authenticity and for the aesthetic and the intimacy that it can evoke which i think is one again one of these things which a big camera probably couldn't do and i think that's also then a way that we've got the smartphone as so we as filmmakers we've got the smartphone on us all the time so it means you can film really at any time when we think that it would be a great moment to capture and the other even thing in is, lockdown yes even in lockdown and the other thing is it's a bit almost like similar to what the um the, the paper cup tripod is like a um, gaffer tape or just uh, some sticky tape you know so it means you can attach the phone now on lots of different things and create some you know bicycles so you know i've seen people that sort of tape the phone on their heads and you can sort of really create really interesting perspectives this way. And, um, and the phone is very small, so it can also go to different, you know, you can put it on different, in different camera positions and 
the new thing seems to be happening now as well as um, underwater smartphone filmmaking. So we're, you, again, you can buy some cases for this, or you can just be a little bit experimental and try to, you know, make sure you've got something that is some a bit watertight and then you can hold your phone at least for a little bit underwater. And so again, this brings some really interesting dimensions. I've just seen a film which just used water drops on lenses to create some really interesting cinematic effects. And so it's really a space about being creative and using what you have. And I think I completely agree with what Dan said before. The smartphone is a great tool and you don't need all these other things. But if you've got a little bit of money, you might want to buy a microphone, you know, or you might want to borrow somewhere a tripod and you can make these things happen but you don't need the full monty right from the beginning but if you're interested in really exploring cinematography because you have worked with dslr cameras before there are some apps like filmic pro and then some lenses that even can do anamorphic filmmaking so you, you can do these things but you don't have to and it's really driven by what your intention is and you know how much time you want to invest in this project that you're working on you know you don't have to use these things but these things are there for you and it might also be like a, a step up you know so that you you start making a short project and then you make a second project and you sort of want to improve some things and that's a great way for training because like lighting of course is, is really important in, in filmmaking generally and smartphone films work really well if you're in the outside and in, in natural light but you know uh, there might be also some cases where you then might want to think about what lights to introduce but if you don't have a professional cinematic lighting kit up you can just use a, like a kitchen light or a mac light or whatever you know so there's lots of ways where you can be really clever and i think that what dan just mentioned lockdown was something that we saw also that when Lots of projects stopped. People took smartphone filmmaking up to, yeah, wants to make some projects. But I think it's also great to be creative in a difficult situation that really can get you through difficult times and stay creative and give you a positive outlook on things. And interesting ideas of collaboration that really emerge through people in different parts of the world that are in lockdown trying to connect visually and try to make some work. And so it's an, yeah, I think it's a space that is really like opening up and it's really dynamic. Dan, I wondered, like through your workshops, if you talk to people about, you know, consent forms for for documentary filmmaking and things like that, what sort of advice, if any, do you provide to participants in your in your workshops? Consent is a really important thing. And one of the things that we uh, say to people who participate in the workshops is you're in control and have ownership too over your own story and how that's used and how that's shared. That's really important. And in terms of consent for people that appear in the films, I think general practice with filmmaking is that, you know, if you're wanting to sell or distribute your film anywhere, then you would need to have that evidence of consent, usually a consent form. But there are, there are sort of streamlined ways you can do that. It might be that you're filming somebody and you ask them on camera just to say, you're happy to be used in this film and they can do that verbally. So as, as like a verbal consent, there's some gray areas around sort of filming, say in public areas, you know, big crowds and things that if you're on private property, for example, then you would need permission of the property owner. But if you're in the public, you know, you can take shots, but there's an ethical line there. You know, there might be some people in the film that don't want to be in your film. So best practice is always to ask if, particularly if somebody's being focused on in the film, if it's a broad crowd, maybe not such a huge issue, although it's good practice probably to have a sign up if you're filming at an event or something like that. So that people know there's filming taking place. What would that sign um, say? Like you just, just that there's a, we're, we're doing filming at this event, and if you don't want to be filmed, to let the organisers or the photographer know. It's not always going to be an issue, but you don't want to be trying to sell or distribute your film and then find that somebody complains that you, they didn't give you consent to be in the film. So not always possible in public or in big situ crowded situations, but you do your best to get as many permissions and consents as you can. The other thing is, of course, the afterlife of a film. It's one thing to ask someone, hey, I'm on the film to say, do you consent to being filmed? But you don't know what happens with distribution. You know, you, you might make a film and not expect it to go anywhere and then it, then it goes viral on social media. How do you square that? 
yeah, I mean, I guess as a filmmaker, you have an ethical line in terms of responsibly presenting the people that you film. And I often suggest that you're making a film with people, not about people, you know, and that they need to be part of that process. And if you're not sure that about what your story you're telling, that you involve the, the subject in having a look at the story. And each filmmaker has an ethical line there that they have to identify. But certainly people can be misrepresented. So there's an, a responsibility on the filmmaker. That was Daniel Schulteis from Cinespace, a not-for-profit organization promoting cultural diversity on screen. Dan runs workshops called Smartphone Stories around Victoria and was talking about the ethics involved in making films on your smartphone. We also heard from Max Schleser, senior lecturer in film and television at Swinburne University of Technology and founder of the Mobile Innovation Network and Association. You'll find links to resources, including MENA and Cinespace, on the podcast page of this program on the 3CR website. We're going out tonight with the kinks. This is Groovy Movies. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.